Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. That, you know, as soon as that sun dips below the horizon, it's going to start to get dark. And it took us some time to get up here. Now, granted, it takes less time to get down, but it's going to take some time to get down. And so our celebration at the top is kind of cut short, and we decide it's time to get going down the mountain. And so we start traveling down the mountain, and it gets darker and darker. And the more dark it gets, the more panic begins to set in. Because this is before lights were on cell phones. So we didn't have a flashlight. Uh, it was before GPS was on your cell phone. So there was no like map getting us out to say, hey, you're this far away to the entrance, or this is where you're at in relationship to the mountain. It was just you had to know the trail. Unfortunately, I did. But as time went on, it just got darker and darker. And there was this sense of urgency of like, if we don't get out of here before it gets completely dark, I don't know what we're going to do. Because we're in the middle of the woods traveling down this mountain. It becomes hard to start to, to see our steps. And there's a place where we're just kind of like all holding on to each other at the very end to like finish. And, and there's this clearing that is at the end of the trail. And it kind of like breaks out into like a little bit less darkness, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? If you've ever walked through the woods and it starts to get dark and you like break through the clearing, and you're like, oh, there's just enough light here that I can see, see your face. So it had gotten to that place. And man, in darkness, darkness has this incredible <laughs> ability to really change the move and change the reality of the situation that you're in. When it was daylight, things were great. We were having fun. We were celebrating. We were climbing this mountain. Things were victorious. And when it got dark, fear started to creep in. The sense of, like, isolation and loneliness started to kick in because you're like, I can't see the things around me. I can't see the people around me like I used to. There's this <coughs> sense of confusion that comes in as well, of like, are we going the right way? There's a number of times where I'm just like, dear God, I hope I picked the right turn. Like, I hope that this is the way. I hope that I'm going in the right direction. And so there's this confusion that creeps in. And really, ultimately, in darkness, you can, it's just unproductive, right? Like, had it gotten so dark that we weren't able to see anymore, I don't know what we would have done, because it would have been unproductive to continue to try and walk the path, even though the path was in front of us, to go. And so there's this kind of idea of folly that happens inside of darkness. And ultimately, it could be really treacherous. Like, had we gotten stuck, had there been a thunderstorm, who knows? I mean, we probably would have survived the night. It would have been miserable. But in darkness, there's also this, like, threat of death. And so what I found is just that <laughs> there's this kind of reality around darkness in our lives that causes fear loneliness, confusion, leads us to this place of un unproductivity or folly, and ultimately death. Um, and I think that this is how darkness manifests itself in our world and in the, our experience of life. And so when you just think about the darkness in the world, or any darkness that you've ever faced, or any situation that you'd say, like, man, that was really dark, there's probably some of those elements of confusion, loneliness, fear, isolation, unproductivity, and possibly even death that occurred around that place of darkness. Now, the good news is that on the, the antithesis 
of this place of darkness is light. Because in light, instead of clarity, instead of confusion, you have clarity. You can see. You can have confidence of where you're going. Instead of loneliness and isolation, there's community. I could see my friends. We could encourage one another. We could support one another. There's a sense of, like, I'm not alone in this. In the light, instead of fear, there's confidence. And I thought about that. I was like, is it, is it peace or is it confidence? And I think that it's confidence because in the light, I know where to put my foot. I know where the path is. I know which direction to go in and which place to take. And in that confidence, we find peace. We find hope that the top of the mountain is near or that the end of the trail is near. And instead of folly, we find wisdom. And at the end of the day, there's life. There's new life. And so there's this kind of dynamic throughout (laughs) Scripture of darkness and light that gets played out throughout the whole of Scripture. And in the Old Testament, God is defined and kind of understood as the source of light. Like, he is light, but he's also the source of all of it. And in the Old Testament, in Psalm (laughs) chapter 27, (coughs) verse 1, David writes this about our God. Let me get there. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Here, David's picking up on this idea that in light, that there is no fear. He says, the Lord is my stronghold of my life. Whom should I be afraid? Our God is our light. Our God is the source of all wisdom, all truth, all knowledge, all clarity. They are all found in him. And this is understood that God is the light of the world all the way into the New Testament. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. In the New Testament, in the book of John, he makes an incredibly subversive claim about himself. In John <laughs> chapter 9, Jesus shows up, and he's with his disciples, and he makes this proclamation. He says, I am in the world, and I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's saying, in me, there's clarity. In me, there's wisdom. In me, there's community. In me, there's wisdom and life. This claim that Jesus makes about him being the light of the world or him being light <laughs> is really a blasphemous claim. He's saying, I am like God. I am God. And it would have been received in that time period as like Jesus making a very blasphemous case, equating himself with God. But not only is it a blasphemous claim, it's also a political claim. It's a kingdom claim. Because at that time, Rome had made this claim, the emperor of Rome had made this declaration that Rome was the light of the world, that Rome was light. And the goal of Rome was that it would cover the entire world and that there would be light everywhere where Rome was. And so Jesus comes in and he says, guess what? I am the light of the world. It's subversive to this political agenda of Rome. And it's also subversive to the kind of political agenda that we have here in America because we've heard it here in America that we as Americans, that we as America are the light of the world. It's this political statement that Jesus is making that we make as we talk about kingdoms. And so Jesus is saying, this kingdom that I am establishing through me is a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom where there's clarity, where there's community, where there's wisdom, where there's new life, and I want you to come and be a part of that place. 
I don't want you to live in darkness anymore. And so this kind of brings us to the parable of Jesus this morning. And this parable shows up in our Gospels three different times in three different places. And in Matthew and Mark, not Matthew, in Mark and Luke, the two accounts are incredibly similar, and they're understood in a similar way. And so in Mark, the parable goes kind of like this. Jesus says in Mark 4.21, he says to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing that is hidden except to be made manifest, nor anything in secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And then in Luke, he says, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, or, but they put it on a stand so that those who enter might see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. And so both both Mark and Luke have this parable placed right after the parable of the sower. And so Jesus, he's talking with his disciples, he's talking with the crowds, and he's talking about the different types of soil and, the, and how the seed goes forth and how the seed grows and produces. Immediately after that, Jesus begins to have this conversation about a light appearing and what you do with the light and how you don't put it under a jar, how you don't put it under a bed. And if you're listening to Jesus' statements, you're like, of course not. Of course you wouldn't do these things with a light. And Jesus is like, you put it on a stand. And they're like, yes, of course you would. And then he talks about this idea of hiddenness and things being made known. And the way that commentators have understood, especially this parable in light of Mark and Luke, is that Jesus is talking about his kingdom coming. That Jesus is talking about his kingdom of light coming into the world, and that his kingdom isn't to be hidden, that his kingdom isn't to be put under a jar or snuffed out, or that his kingdom isn't to be put under a bed, but his kingdom is to be on a stand and to be lifted up and to be shown for the entire world to see. And so Jesus is saying, I have come to establish my kingdom of light, and it cannot be hidden no matter what you try to do to hide it. It's going to go forced. It's like the, the yeast, and how the yeast is working its way through the dough, and the kingdom of God is spreading. Now, the kingdom of God, it's about life. It's about restoration. It's about restoring the things that are broken in this world and bringing new life to it. And Jesus wants to do that in every area of our lives. Now, when we get to Matthew, the parable kind of takes a little bit of a different tone a little bit of a different turn. Instead of it being explicitly about the kingdom of Jesus and God showing up and coming, it's about what does it mean to be a citizen of this kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your, shine, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus and Mark and Luke are saying, my kingdom of light has come. And in Matthew, he's saying, my kingdom of light has come and you're a part of it. He actually makes this incredibly blasphemous and political claim about you and me and about his disciples. He's saying, not only am I the light of the world, but you are. 
You're the light of the world. And if you're the disciples, like that's got to make you a little bit uncomfortable, right? Because you understand that God is the light of the world. What is God doing to say that you and me, just mere mortals on earth, are the light of the world? What is Jesus doing here? And what he's doing is that he's inviting his disciples into greater relationship, into greater intimacy with him. So it's this invitation into this kingdom of light that he is moving forth into the world. But it's also a challenge. It's a challenge to live like it. It's a challenge to live as people of the light. And we see this challenge kind of flushed out further throughout the New Testament. And so if we go to 1 John uh, chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, this is the message that we've heard from him, meaning Jesus, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. So that affirms our kind of Old Testament knowledge. But it says that if we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John is saying that when we walk in the light, we find fellowship with one another. We find that community that we were talking about when the, when the light comes. Instead of loneliness and isolation, what we find is fellowship and relationship with one another. And a lot of times what we find is a relationship restored when we come into the light. Because oftentimes our darkness brings about brokenness in relationship. And when we are able to bring it out into the light, God restores relationship. And we see this restoration that comes through Jesus. And he's like, those who are in the light, Jesus has come and he's cleansed you and he's restored you. And he says he cleanses us from all sin. We also find in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, Paul encouraging us to live as people of the light. He says, there was once a time that you were in darkness. There was once a time where you allowed confusion, loneliness, fear, isolation, folly, and death to rule your life. He says, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the life is found in all that is good, right, and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord and take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Instead expose the darkness in our world and bring light to it. And so if we're to live as the light of the world and if we're to live as people of the light, there's some questions that we have to ask. And the first one is, is how are we living? How are we walking? Are we walking in the light or are we walking in darkness? And I think the answer is probably a little bit of both, if we're honest. Like, there's parts of our life where there is life growing and there's life abounding and there's <laughs> reconciliation, restoration, the kingdom of God is breaking through. But then there's probably also areas of our lives where there's still darkness, where there's still confusion, loneliness, fear, isolation, and folly, and death even. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what? Where is the darkness in our lives? What exists within us that's still hidden, that we have not allowed the light to come in and shine? And how have our relationships been affected by our darkness? And what is God doing? How is God calling you out? Not in a way of like calling you out, but in a way to bring new life and restoration into your life because that's what the kingdom 
looks like when the kingdom breaks through is that it's exposing us, not to shame us, not to beat us down, not to make us guilty. Because in Romans, what we see is that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And so Jesus has looked at our worst. He's looked at our worst day, our worst actions, the day that the world would most love to judge us on and say, this is who you are. And it's also the day and the actions that we probably most judge ourselves on and say, this is who I am. Jesus looks at that day, at that moment, at those actions, and he says, you know what? I love you. And I'm going to absorb the consequences, the, the eternal consequences and the wrath of God for those, and I love you. And I want you to know there's no condemnation and there's no shame there. Now, that doesn't mean that we continue to walk in these places of darkness, that we continue to allow death and division and fear to reign in our lives, but it's a place where we can experience freedom and we can say, you know what? This place of shame has no real strength or stronghold on me, but I'm set free from that. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to break us of these things of darkness that we carry. He wants to bring healing to our relationships. And in some ways, in really simple and strange ways, okay? And so, like, one of the things that God is doing in my life right now is that I say sorry a lot. I say sorry too much. And it's a habit that I developed when I was a little kid. Because when I was a little kid, <laughs> my... Even though life at home was stable, what I realized is that the word sorry went a long way with the people that I was around. And so if things got a little unstable, if things got a little unclear, if things got a little uncomfortable, I would just like slap the band-aid of sorry right on it. Be like, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry for disappointing you. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry. And what I realized is that it's carried over into my marriage. And Rebecca's like, you say sorry all the time. I'm like, I know. She's like, you say sorry about things that you shouldn't be sorry for. And the reality is that when I say sorry, I do mean it. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I feel like somehow I'm responsible for the situation that's at play. And Rebecca's like, how can you feel responsible for the situation that we find ourselves in? She's like, it's just the situation. She's like, it's the way circumstance have worked itself out. She's like, you think that you could control this? You think that you're big enough that like, you can just handle all of this that's in front of us? She's like, who are you fooling? I'm like, thank you for that. And what she's doing is that she's bringing light into my darkness. She's bringing the truth of Christ that like, look, I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to always be in control. And I don't always have to slap the sorry band-aid on. And what I found is that in these days, I'm living with less shame. I'm living with less fear. It's still there. And I'm living with less isolation. These things are still here. It's like the dawn is like cracking, where it was once darkness, and there's this new light coming. And we see that in Jesus. When Jesus shows up in his birth in Luke, it says this. It says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And so our God is light, and he wants to bring light to our darkness, even our simple, dumb, personal darkness of just like, 
I say sorry too much, and I feel way too much shame about that. He's like, I want to expose that with my light. I want to set you free from that. And in doing that, it's going to change the way that you interact, and it's going to also change the way that you say sorry to people. Because when you say sorry to people, you can actually mean it. And it will actually have a greater effect and bring more harmony in, in the relationships that you're in. And so it's not just for me to feel less shame, but it's also to bring greater bonds in the relationships that I find myself in. It's to heal the relationships with my parents. It's to heal the relationships with my wife and those that I find myself around in that I feel like that I need to control. God's saying, let me take care of that. And you be sorry for the things that you should really be sorry for. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. And there's freedom there. And the kingdom of God is working and breaking through to bring light to the small place of darkness. Now, I don't know what darkness it is that you carry. There's some big darknesses that we carry. There's some small darknesses that we carry. I would say that anywhere where fear exists, where isolation exists, where there's hiddenness, where there's folly, like that, those are places of darkness, and I believe that God is calling them out. And I believe that God wants to call you out of those things into a place of new life, into his kingdom, so that you can be set free. So that you could be a person who says, I once lived in darkness, but because of Jesus and his grace and his love for me, I can move forward into the light. I believe the kingdom of God is breaking through and wants to break through into everyone's life on a daily basis. And so when the light shines into our life and our darkness is exposed, we don't have to freak out about it. Because that happens to me sometimes, right? Like, you feel this kind of nudge from God or you hear from God like, hey, shouldn't be doing that. You're like, ah, you feel like you got caught, right? You feel like, oh, God, just stop catching me. I know that what I'm doing is not right. God's like, I'm not here to catch you in it. I'm not here to punish you in it. I'm here to reveal it to you and give you a new way to live and so that you can go live a new life in that way. And the question is, is how do we receive that? Do we receive the kingdom of God as an accusation? Or do we see the kingdom of God as an invitation towards new freedom and new life? And the reality is that he doesn't just want us to know it. He doesn't want us to just know new life and to know the light and to keep the light to ourselves. No, he says to his disciples, you're the light of the world. Go into the world and share your light with everyone. And so in many ways, this is always code in the church for go and be an evangelist. And when we talk about being an evangelist in the church, things get really awkward really quick because we always think that that immediately means that we have to tell somebody about Jesus right now. And the reality is that the first step of sharing the light of the world, which is Jesus, it's not us. Jesus is saying, you're a reflection of my light to go forth into the world. The first step of that is just seeing people and making relationships with people, and inviting them into our lives, and to begin to share good news about life and where that comes from eventually, and that that comes from Jesus. And so <clears throat> one of the ways that light works is that light isn't always about just like shining and look at me. I think a lot of times, I mean, it says we're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so a lot of times we read this passage and we think, all right, I should just live out my faith in good ways, and then that'll be a good enough testimony to people that I won't maybe have to say the name of Jesus. 
But the thing that light also does is that it shines into darkness and it allows us to see. At night, we turn our headlights on so we can see the road, so we can see the people and the dangers around us. And I think part of being the light of the world is that it gives us vision to see people that we wouldn't otherwise see. Sure, it's about them looking at us. It's about us being an example to the world and living out the kingdom of light in front of other people, and that should be inviting. But I don't know as if that's enough. When Jesus commissions his disciples to go make disciples and baptize them and to spread the kingdom forth, there's this active element of looking out and of seeing people and running out into places of darkness and bringing light there. So the question I have for us is, as we go out into the world as these people that are the light of the world, how are we seeing people? How are we identifying places of darkness? Now, it's really easy. It's really easy for us to list the places of darkness in the world, right? We can just be like, oh, the world's so dark. The world's so depressing. There's darkness happening on this national, global scale, darkness that we can't even begin to touch or fathom or begin to enter into. And those things are good to be aware of. But the harder question and the more practical question is, where's their darkness in your everyday life and in the relationships of the people that you're in? And where would they benefit from the light? So the people that you're around, how are they walking in fear? How are they walking in isolation? How are they walking in confusion? Where do they need wisdom? Where do they need the kingdom of God to break through into their lives as well? Because that's what God is talking about. That's what God wants, is that he wants to share his light with the whole world. And it's just amazing that we get to be a part of it because he breaks through in our lives and he wants to heal us. So if we've got some stuff that we need to be healed from this morning, we should confess it. If we've got some places where we need some, we've got some confusion and we need some wisdom, we should ask for it. And then we should go into the world seeking out these places, these places of confusion, loneliness, fear, isolation, folly, and be able to bring light into it. And the question is, is what does that look like? Well, it looks like bringing clarity. It looks like bringing truth. And it, it looks like bringing love. I mean, the way that Jesus enters into our darkness ultimately is through his love, through his sacrifice, through bringing presence to our darkest, most <clears throat> ugliest day. He shows up to that and he's like, yep, I see that. And I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to be present to that. And I think that's what God is calling us to go to in the world, is who and what relationships has he put into your life that he's calling you to be present to? Some of them are natural relationships that you have. Some of them are relationships at work, and he's just calling you to go look and see. Maybe he's also calling you to some other type of action in your community that you feel, you like, you feel like you've had a tug to, but you're not really sure if, if you really wanted to invest your time and your energy there. One of the places where I feel like I've been a physical light or I've been able to be a physical light to people and invest <laughs> into brokenness in, in a strange way is in tutoring. So for the last two years, I've tutored at Wright Middle School, and I've had a student each year for the whole year that I've got to sit down and tutor and mentor one-on-one. And we never get to the point of talking about Jesus. It hasn't happened yet. But they do ask, what do I do? And I get to tell them I'm a pastor. And they get to tell me about their 
their experience with religion and with faith. But bigger than that is that I get to see a student grow and develop, and at the end of the year, they know that they're loved. They know that they're loved because I show up. They know that they're loved because of the way that I show up. They know that they're loved because <coughs> of the way that I take care of them and mentor them in that space. And so where is God calling you to show up in love? It was amazing to see the transformation that happens in these students in the two years. And I don't get to claim all of it. I don't get to claim really any of it. That's the hardest part about showing up and loving people is that we don't get to like take credit for any of it. Because at the end of the day, the student's got to show up too, right? The student does his work. The student has to receive the love. But man, it's beautiful at the end of the year. I think we can see that in different areas of our lives where we've really, truly invested, where we've really, truly suffered with somebody and stuck it out. And so the question is, is how is God trying to break into your darkness? What darkness is God trying to show his light to you this morning? And how is he trying to bring you into freedom? And then how is he also calling you into the darkness of the world that you inhabit day in and day out? And how can we bring clarity, <laughs> light, love, joy, and life into those places? Because Jesus has called us. He says this. He says, you are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill and it cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. And it gives light in the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom of light, that it's a kingdom of clarity, that it's a kingdom of confidence, that it's a kingdom of joy, that it's a kingdom of community with you and with one another. And God, I pray that you would lead us into the light and that we'd be faithful citizens of the light. And God, I pray that you'd continue to expel darkness from us, that your kingdom would continue to break through and that you'd begin to show us the lies that we believe, the fears that we walk in, the confusion that we walk in, God, and that you would bring the fruit of the light into our lives. But God, I also pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear the cries of darkness that are around us from our coworkers, from our community, from our county, from our state, God, and that you would call us into action and that we would go forward in love and that in love we would be able to share you in your kingdom with those who need it. God, we thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom of restoration and new life. Lead us into those places. In your name we pray. Amen.